Libby writes with Brian Scott Libby. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast powered by Twisted T. We have a very special guest today. It is the keyboardist for widespread panic, Jojo Herman. Ole Miss alum, Jojo Herman. We talked about his career in music, how his wild path down to Oxford, Mississippi kickstarted his music career him loving college football, the dynamic between him and the other members of Panic, the whole Athens-Georgia versus Ole Miss thing, very topical for this week, and really just what he enjoys most about being a musician. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. I really appreciate his time, and I think you'll enjoy this interview. So buckle up. Before we get to that, though, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Seaspire. Time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves with best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning, local, based out of the Southeast with industry low call wait time. Seaspire provides 1 gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and Southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new 2 gigabit and 8 gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com slash home today and use promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and you'll get one month of free service. So you get a free month of internet service and the best internet service in the market just for listening to this podcast. How about that? Check them out. Seaspire customer inspired. This podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, the advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. You got a month left of football season, college football season, regular season, that is. Maybe you're behind. Use Skybox. They're the professionals. They hit and make money every single year. Don't get into a hole by going off your own leads 15 minutes before kickoff. Go sign up for Skybox. They're the professionals. It's all based off math. Go online, skyboxsportspicks.com. You can try a picks package a day, a week, a month. You got college basketball starting on Monday night. That is their bread and butter. They absolutely crush it in college basketball every year. You can try sports-specific. You can go all sports. I recommend going the year-long all-access pass. It'll pay for itself and then some. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com, the best sports handicappers in the world. You sign up, you get a color-coded spreadsheet categorized by unit, and boom, you're more equipped to profit than you were before signing up for Skybox. Go online today, get your picks package, use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off any purchase. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right, here's JoJo Herman. All right, we now welcome on... Renowned musician, widespread panics, Jojo Herman. I've been looking forward to this for a while. I know we were talking a little bit yesterday. How are you, man? I appreciate you joining the show. Man, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good. And you're in Chicago for a show currently, correct? As we speak, kind of tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I just uh, do a little songwriter kind of thing. Um, and it's at the City Winery tonight. And uh love those places. They're, they treat everybody so good. And they have really nice baby grand piano so i enjoy playing there awesome so kind of taking it back to the beginning a bit your path to oxford and that kind of serving as a launch pad for your musical career is really interesting to me and i guess we'll start there i read a in an article uh that i think you did a while back i can't remember what the site was but your path to oxford was pretty crazy you just decided to go down to the south i know you 
you hitched a ride from the airport. Kind of take me why you wanted to go to Oxford and how that happened. Oh, I had a buddy up there who um, up in New York City, where I'm from, and and I was just kind of playing in the clubs up in New York, and um, a buddy of mine just, you know, and I, I love uh, New Orleans music and blues music and stuff. So anyway, a buddy of mine um, just said, "Why don't you go to Oxford, Mississippi?" And I had a friend, and I just went to visit for a week, and uh, I never went back home. I I just stayed. I just fell in love with it. It's, it was a magical time in Oxford back then. That was in 1987. And I remember wandering into uh, the Hoka, Ron Shapiro and the Hoka. And, um, you know, it was just a, a magical place. At that point, where were you kind of at music career-wise? How old were you? Like, what what was when he suggested go to Oxford, Mississippi? I know you're from New York. Did you ever heard of it? How familiar were you? What kind of led to the decision? Um. No, I hadn't really heard of it. I'd, I'd heard of Ole Miss, you know, the, the university. But, um, you know, the thing about uh, Mississippi is just, uh, you know, the music is really what drew me down there more than anything. You know, I just love the music. And um, and it was just a great music scene, you know, happening at that time. You had the Hilltops and uh, and Beanland and the relaxations and uh and then up in Holly Springs, you know, you had Junior Kimbrough and Arl Burnside were, you know, had a juke joint up in Holly Springs. And and that blew my mind I could, when I went up there. That just changed everything. How did you formulate a love for music? When did you feel realize you were kind of talented? Where, where did that begin for you? Well, I did it for fun, you know, played in high school bands and stuff. And we, we played The Doors. I love The Doors, Raymond Derrick and learned how to, you know, kind of just play by ear off Doors records. But what really changed everything was when a friend of mine turned me on to a Professor Longhair record. And um, when I heard a Professor Longhair record, the first one, it was uh, Crawfish Fiesta. I think that's when the music just kind of took over my life and I dropped out of school. And and I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking, honestly, but uh, it was all uh, Professor Longhair. And then, you know, the other New Orleans piano players, Dr. John, Marsha Ball, and, and some of the others, Alan Toussaint. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I love that style. It just made me happy. So, but like I said, you know, back then, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't think I was thinking. I was just playing. I can certainly relate to that. You mentioned it, it kind of consumed you at that point and you dropped out of school. What level of schooling were you at when you decided to drop out and pursue music? Uh, I was in college and then I dropped out of college and then I went back uh, to Ole Miss. So I went Ole Miss and finished up and uh, uh, did the Southern Studies uh, Department, made some good friends there. So it's a, it's a great school. Did you, I read somewhere on the, on your flight down to Memphis, you just assumed there'd be a train or some kind of service. And you're like, okay, I'm kind of stuck here. There was a pretty crazy story I read about you tossing a duffel bag in, in front of a lady you noticed on the plane talking about Ole Miss Law School. What Did you have to hitch a ride when you first got down there? Yeah, I, I really just assumed it was about nine o'clock at night. And I just assumed there'd be buses and trains or something, you know, down to Oxford. Like I said, I just wasn't thinking a whole lot. but. Um, yeah, I just threw my duffel bag in front of uh, her car. Um, her husband had picked her up, and he was a lawyer. And, you know, it was, it was my first uh, 
my first uh, experience, you know, in the South, literally right off the plane. And, you know, they, they were like, yeah, man, come on in. And they, and they drove me down to Oxford and they were just so nice and so hospitable. And, um, you know, I just, uh, it, it just had a great effect on me. It was just fantastic. You mentioned you were planning to go for a week and you never turned back. What took off in that week that turned it into, you know, the multi-year stay in Oxford? What kind of developed for you? And it sounded like things happened pretty quickly. Well, Oxford, you know, back then, it was just, uh, I just never imagined there was a place like this. You know, I grew up in a big city and, uh, and um, I just fell in love with it. You know, I just, there was no reason to, to get out of there. And uh, so I just stayed, you know, I really had no commitments back home and I was just kind of wandering around, you know, uh, looking for gigs or, you know, just kind of playing. And, um, but I, I'd have to say the Ron Shapiro and the Hoka, you know, were definitely a, a big reason. It was, it was kind of like the scene that kind of centered around, you know, uh, the Hoka and, um, and the people who worked there, you know, and, uh, it was just, uh, and the movie theater, you know, we'd all just hang out in the movie theater. So it was just too good to be true, you know, so I never left. At that point, what was kind of your musical arsenal repertoire, however you want to say it? What instruments were you playing? How versatile were you at that point in your career? I was just playing piano. I'd go into the Hoka, and Ron gave me my first gig. He paid me $3.50. I put out a little tip jar, and he'd give me a cheese sandwich. The cheese, my baby. And uh, or the Rasta pasta on occasion, but um, you know I just uh, was playing Professor Longhair, you know nonstop. I mean that's all I did was play Professor Longhair. I didn't really know anything else. And uh, I think after a while the, the workers there probably graded on their nerves a little bit. It was just the same riffs over and over and over. But it was a great time. How did Beanland come to be? Well, they were playing down the street, and um, and Rob uh, Laird, uh, the drummer, kind of wandered into the Hoka one day. I was doing my Professor Longhair thing on the old beat-up upright in the back near the movie theater. And he's, uh, you know, they were jamming down the street, and he invited me down to jam. And and it was a lot of fun, and it was just a blast. And, and the guys were just so nice. So, you know, we just kind of kept jamming, and then... Um, we started writing some songs, you know, I, I enjoy songwriting and, uh, and we had enough songs to do a record and we did a record and it was a really good record. And so, um, and then we started getting gigs out of town, you know, hitting the road and we opened for, uh, Watch for Panic in Atlanta and Athens a couple of times, got to know them that way. What is that like chemistry wise? Is, is it anything? I'm, I'm obviously I've never been in a band. I'm very music musically illiterate. I'm not talented in any sort of way like that. But you mentioned they invite you to play. How quickly can you tell there's a chemistry? How quickly did you kind of figure out, hey, we, we've got something here? Well, uh, you know, with Panic, uh, there's definitely chemistry. I've been with them 32 years. And, uh, you know, it, it's a jam, you know, we do a lot of jamming, right? So, you know, jamming is uh, kind of like a conversation, you know, where everybody just kind of listens to the other guy and and it's like having a conversation, uh, but with your instruments instead of your voices. So, um, uh, you know, the, the chemistry just comes from that. I think we have uh, varied musical influences, but we also have some of the same, you know, the meters is definitely one band uh, that uh, kind of, 
coalesces, I think, the, the rhythms and the sound. And I think there's a fond love of the meters and New Orleans music in general and, and blues, you know, all kinds of stuff. When you got the invite from Beanland to come play, did you, I know you mentioned it throughout all this, you just mentioned, like, you know, I wasn't thinking, I was just playing. Were you nervous at all? Did you feel like you had something to prove? Where were you at kind of music accomplished wise with them at that point? And I'm just curious, did you feel like you needed to prove something at all? It, you know, it, with bands, I think in general, it doesn't start out that way. You know, you just start out jamming, having fun, and then you kind of, you know, get a following, and then you start playing other towns, and, you know, you buy your van, and, and start hitting the road and you know we we started hitting the road a lot more after a couple of years so you know it just kind of grows naturally you know when when the phone rings and somebody says hey you want to play you know our club or our party or something so we started going down to jackson and playing Hal and mal's down there and and malcolm would have us down there and you know playing three hours away you know that I, that was huge for me i was like wow you know we're playing three hours away and and people are coming to the gig, you know, so it was great. So it's Tuscaloosa. We played down there and uh, Memphis. We had a great thing going in Memphis. And so, you know, you just kind of start traveling more and more and booking more shows. And then you put out a record and before you know it, you're a band. Was there any sort of moment or any sort of venue or any sort of accomplishment you guys had where you felt like there was a moment that Beanland had made it? Well, um, in 1992, you know, I joined Widespread Panic, so you right. know, it, it wasn't it wasn't that long. And then, but um, you know, and then I moved over to Athens, Georgia, where there's a big game going on this Saturday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, spent a couple of years in Athens, and then I moved back to Mississippi before I lost my mind, and um, it was good to come back to Oxford, and uh, and now I'm living happily in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So, you know, just kind of making the rounds, I guess. What was the decision to join Widespread Panic like? Was it a tough one for you at all? Uh, well, you know, I got to know the guys and um, over the years, you know, and uh, and they just, uh, their manager just kind of called me out of the blue and said, you know, they're looking to take a keyboard player on the road. And, and I had let them know, you know, I was really into them and I was, really into Space Wrangler, you know, their first album, which I'd heard, and I just love that record. So, uh, you know, I love the band. I love the sound, and, and um, it had a unique sound, you know, Mikey's guitar. And so I just hit the road to Athens. I just packed my bag and, and left. Do you have a favorite venue in all these years playing with Panic? Do you guys have a favorite venue? What was kind of the coolest show you played or setting or whatever goes into that i'm just curious if you have a favorite one that sticks out oh uh, well you know red rocks we do every year and that is just such a beautiful venue so that always jumps out and we play milwaukee every year which is such a great town great little theater called the riverside and um you know i but uh it's hard to remember right now those are the last two we did and uh Let's see, what do we do? Oh, uh, we have Atlanta coming up next for New Year's. We play the Fox Theater in Atlanta pretty much every year. We did Bridgestone last year in Nashville. But, you know, I love them all. I love them all. But Red Rocks is probably the most beautiful venue we play, yeah. For you guys, the longevity you've had, and I know just like every other band, you've had changes through the years, but how difficult is it for a band to stay together this long and to have that sort of longevity? 
Um, well, you know, we, we get along real good and, and, uh, you know, we're really, a, a band and, uh, and I think for me personally, what I love is, uh, that they allow me to write songs and bring songs and ideas into, you know, the set list and stuff. And, and, um, there's a real acceptance of everybody's ideas and, uh, and of really kind of sharing the creative uh, aspect of it so that everybody feels free to bring in ideas. And I think that's the key to the longevity of, of any band is that people feel free to bring in their creative ideas. So I'm very thankful and grateful that they did that. And, and I, I'd like to think I got a couple of good ones in there over the years. How did you learn how to write songs and what goes into that process? Um, you know, it, there are different ways of writing songs. Sometimes uh, a lyric will kind of jump out at you, a sign on the side of the road, it could be, or something that happened to you that, you know, or, or a lyric, or sometimes I'll hear a piece of music and, and that'll inspire me, especially the rhythms, you know, I'll start with a rhythm and kind of go from there. And um, so, you know, there's one song that is pretty much the same rhythm as the Professor Longhair song. That was the first song I brought in. So, uh, you know, it, it can it can happen many different ways. Some some songs are brought in where, you know, it's kind of already written. And but sometimes songs just uh, evolve over time, you know, over the years with people bringing in different parts. So, you know, that's what makes it fun. We'll get back to Jojo in just one second. But before we do, I wanted to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experience. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg if you're Rippy Wright subscriber. That's rippywrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats. Right now it's three six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. It's about a $40 evaluation you're getting there for $20. Just go in, show Greg proof of subscription, tell him you know about the Rippy Rights newsletter. He'll get you set up and then go find all of your own favorites. It's the greatest butcher shop in the world. Incredible cuts of meat. I love the fillet burgers. All kinds of delicious sausages. The tri-tip is incredible. It's truly a gem of Oxford and a gem of the South. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, 
is, is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. Right back to JoJo. Throughout all these years, and you know, you look back at your career now and being able to do what you love for so long is is certainly something rare in this life. Was there ever a moment where you kind of feared whether you're going to make it or not? And just as you reflect back on everything now, what's it kind of been like to do something you have such a passion for, for pretty much your entire adult life? Well, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. I've been able to make a living at it for this long and uh, you never take it for granted. That's for sure. You know, and uh, so you know, you're just kind of riding a wave and, and you just kind of keep going with it. And, uh, there's, there's a lot of randomness to it. And, you know, a lot of unplanned things, you know, when you play in a band and you can't really plan too much. You can't be scared. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta roll with it. You know, you just, just wake up and go to the gig and hopefully there'll be a gig the next day. Yeah. You can't really plan it, but it happens. What's it like touring with a rock band? Is the travel grueling? Do you kind of, you ever have moments where you wake up and like, what city is this again? What is it like touring with the band? Well, we're not, we're not touring, you know, in the classic sense, the way we used to, where right. we would, you know, get on the tour bus for months at a time. Um, but, you know, the schedule's uh, a lot lighter. We just kind of fly in and, and play like three nights, you know, in one town. So um, it's great. You know, right now, uh, I do know what town I'm in these days. So that's, that's really good. That's an improvement. <laughs> and they're all great towns. You know, we were just in Savannah, which is such a beautiful town. And I love that aspect of it, that we visit such, such great places, you know, all the time. But uh, learned, you know, it's a, it's, good, it's a good balance right now. As I've learned more about you guys and, and your type of music and, and reading into it more, the loyal following you guys have. I mean, I, I told two friends that you were coming on the show and they, they, <laughs> freaked out immediately and we're like i can't believe this it seems like y'all's fan base and y'all's following is incredibly loyal did how long did it take you to get a sense for that and and how cool of a thing is that for you guys it's uh you know i mean anytime you write a song or bring in a song and somebody listens to it or likes it or enjoys it you know it's, it's a great great feeling and um you know you never take it for granted and uh you know you just shake everybody's hand and and give them a hug and say thanks. <laughs> but um, you know, when when we started out, uh, or when I first joined, you know, we were on the road at least like eleven months a year. You know, we do three months. We would just go to every single town and just keep going and going and and just kind of build the following that way. So uh, it, it was a good ride. It was a good ride, you know. And but that's how you do it. That's how you get a following. You just gotta get out there and and pound the pavement. Have you ever been starstruck by anyone you played with? Um, yeah, I, I tend to like, uh, you know, some of the people whose records I listened to when I was growing up and who kind of, you know, quote unquote, changed my life. So uh, I remember Robbie Krieger because, uh, you know, I grew up playing off Doors records and the Doors were just, you know, uh, everything to me when I was in high school. I was a huge Doors fan. So Robbie Krieger sat in with us in L.A. and we did Light My Fire, which he wrote 
and uh, that was a huge thrill. And then, yeah, there there are a bunch of others. We we played with a lot of people over the years, and everybody's really nice, you know. And and uh, but um, you know, the guys whose records I listened to growing up, when on the occasions when we sit in with them, you know, I definitely have to kind of control myself and say, okay, you know, act act like you you know belong, and you know, don't don't start gushing over the the guy or the gal do you have a routine to get ready for a show do you have anything personal you do kind of like before just to get ready you're kind of getting you know the right mindset um well i i uh find a room far away from people and do little voice uh warm-ups and uh which uh so i do a little bit of that uh no just hang out and kind of watch tv and then uh you know, we rehearse a lot. We we do different shows every night. That's kind of part of our thing is we never repeat the shows or repeat the songs. So, you know, go in the rehearsal room and kind of practice up on a, a few songs we might not have played in a long time. And, you know, and uh, that's pretty much it. How does a kid from New York end up kind of falling in love with college sports and college football? What was that like? Well, you know, I went to to a game you know I, I remember in Oxford I think it was the Billy Brewer year and Tommy Luke I think was quarterback and I remember some of those guys but you know I went to a game and I was just like this the energy you know and it was just so much fun and um I never knew college football you know growing up in New York City uh I everybody watched Notre Dame you know that was the only game that would be on television and I, I thought Notre Dame was like on 68th street or something i thought notre dame was in new york because that's uh you know the fighting irish right so um uh i, I never went to games you know until i got to Ole Miss. but yeah I, I just uh i loved it so you know follow the revs and everybody's in the revs and it's a good time and i'm looking forward to this saturday we got a big game I was about to ask, what's kind of the, the Ole miss versus georgia dynamic like amongst the band i'm sure you'd like to get one up on them this weekend yeah, you know, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I root for Georgia because I, I love Athens and have so many friends there when we're when they're not playing Ole Miss. But I will definitely be rooting for Ole Miss this Saturday. And uh, and I'm sure my buddies will be rooting for Georgia. And uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I think uh, a lot of points are going to be scored in this one. I think so too. And as we wrap up here, I had a couple of questions that I told a couple of listeners that I would submit for them. And so we'll go a couple of rapid fire ones here real quick to wrap up. Do you have a favorite studio album that y'all have done? Is there one that sticks out as your favorite? Oh, I love them all. You know, they're, they're all our babies and, and they're all different and, you know, but uh, they're all our babies. So I love them all. Uh, we're, we actually just recorded a new album. So right now that's my favorite. And uh, uh, they're going to start releasing singles off it next year. And um, it was a great session and uh, really good tunes. A lot of really great tunes. So, yeah, I'm psyched about the new one. That's awesome. Do you have a, a favorite song that you've written? Is there one that you're most proud of? Huh, that's a good question. Um I don't know. I, I I got two on this new album, which I really like. And uh, I actually pretended I was Mikey Hauser in writing one of them. And, and that was a kind of fun thing to try. And uh, it's uh, 
it came out really good. I think there's a fishing song. We brought in a, a song about fit going fishing called Tackle Box Hero. And uh, that one came out really good. So I'm, I'm psyched about the new stuff. Awesome. And then we have someone that wants to know what your favorite New York pizza joint is. Uh, well, there's Ray's. The original Ray's on 13th Street was where we went. And um, and then I grew up kind of right near Little Italy, you know. So uh, Umberto's was uh, our favorite hangout. So I'll, I'll go with Umberto's, give a shout out to my friends at Umberto's. As you look back at your career and how everything that turned out, do you do any reflecting back at all and think like, man, this is a pretty crazy ride, how this turned out? Yeah, I, I try not to think back too much, but, you know, you can't help it after a certain point. So, yeah, it's, I mean, you're, you're right. Sometimes I look back and I was like, you know, how did all this happen? And I have no idea. Like I said, you know, there's just so much randomness and things you can't control when you play music, you know, it's, just, um, it's almost like you're on a, on a wave, you know, you're just going with it. And, um, but it's been such a great ride. I'm, I am one of the lucky keyboard players, no doubt about it. Did you ever consider doing anything else? Like if the music thing hadn't worked out, did you have a plan on what you were going to do? Yeah. I mean, I never thought I'd make a living playing music. So I, I was going to be a teacher, you know, I went to Ole Miss and, you know, I was thinking maybe, uh, you know, I took some classes there, finished up, and, you know, going to start teaching or stuff like that. And then lastly, before I let you go, do you have a score prediction or are you predicting an Ole Miss win? I'm definitely predicting an Ole Miss win. And uh, I'm I'm thinking by, you know, field goal, two or three points. I, th I think, you know, we need to stop them in that fourth quarter. If we can stop them, we're, we're good to go. I'm with you. I hope it turns out that way as well. I really appreciate the time. This was this was a treat for me, and I appreciate you joining the show. Enjoy your show tonight and enjoy the game this weekend. I really appreciate you doing this. Man, Brian, thank you so much. And hotty toddy to you and everybody. And uh, go Rebs. This, this will be really fun on Saturday. All right, that's going to do it for our show today. Really appreciate JoJo's time. You will not meet a nicer, more personable human being. He was awesome and just a joy to talk to. So I really appreciate him doing that. Also, a special shout out to Denson Hollis and Javon Patterson within the athletic department and the foundation. That was not an official Oxford Ortho Letterman's Lounge Athlete of the Week, but they hooked me up with JoJo. They also got me Shepard Smith are in the year. So this has just been a tremendous partnership and not none of this would be possible without them as we try to highlight some of the most spectacular alums that Ole Miss has produced. Some of the many, I think the possibilities are endless. So I really appreciate them for helping me out with this. This has been a treat. That was definitely a bucket list thing for me. Thank you for listening to this podcast as always. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And then one more thank you to JoJo as well. We'll be back on Friday. I've talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs247 to get you prepped for the game. So hopefully you'll enjoy your weekend listening to that, getting ready for what is a massive, massive game in the course of Ole Miss's season and really the history of its football program. So really appreciate you listening. We'll hit you again on Friday. Thanks for listening.